Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. I'm a guy, I dig a story where some guy, where, where people can, who shouldn't work together, do, and they're actually able of accomplishing something. Anybody like those kinds of stories? I love the kind of stories where, where people who, who, who come from different walks of life, have, so, have all sorts of barriers, shouldn't be able to accomplish what they accomplish, and are, are capable of doing that. I found a, 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 I read stories like that, I, I like movies like that, and I've just found a movie recently, which I haven't finished yet, which is really, it's awesome to me, it's a little gory, it's, it's, a, it's a war movie, um, it's based on true facts from the Civil War, it's called The Free State of Jones, and the basic idea of this story is, there, there are these Confederate deserters during the Civil War, who've realized what they're fighting for is this, so that people who own plantations can keep owning slaves and make, be, be rich off of it. And they're like, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not sacrificing our lives for that. And so they desert, and they find a little place to hide out, and they find themselves hooking up with runaway slaves. And they determine they're going to fight this thing down in Mississippi, Jones County, Mississippi. It starts, and finally, they are capable of somehow getting together to fight the taxation they're under, to fight the oppression that they're under. And you know what they do? They're able to help, they're able to help conquer like four counties in Mississippi and take it over. They can't get any help from the Union because they're so far south. And so they create this place called the Free State of Jones. And you know what they do? They, they, they abide by the things that make us Americans, that all men are created equal. If you sow and plant, you should be able to keep what you sow and what you plant. They develop these kinds of ideas that, 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 that in the middle of the Civil War, they're down in, a, in, a, in Mississippi, really making that kind of thing happen. And it's really cool, and they shouldn't have been able to do it, but they did. Kind of reminds me of the church. The church as a whole shouldn't be able to accomplish what it's been able to accomplish for the last 2,000 years. We, 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 we fought from, we've been fought from without, we've been fought from within. We, we, we are from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. In fact, one day in the book of Revelation, it says, we'll all stand before the throne of God, and we will be, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people will be represented. represented. For most of our history, and in continuing today, the odds are stacked against us. By just sheer, factual pieces of paper, we should not be able to thrive and survive as the people of God. And yet we do. We're Baptists and Presbyterians and, and Catholics and Pentecostals and non-denominationals and, and, and everything in between. And somehow God keeps being able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through people like you and like me. And we're a part of something bigger than just the, the piece of ground that we're sitting on right now with new pavement, by the way. Thank you, Jesus. And um, we're, 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 we are... Um, able to accomplish more because it's not just about us we talked last week about the glory of God that God has a mission his glory would be known not just in time and space but throughout all ages all of eternity and so we get to be a part of that as his church but it's not just this church there's this thing called the kingdom and it's bigger than all of us 
Bigger than this church, bigger than every church in Chillicothe, bigger than every church in the world. It, it transcends all of time and all of, 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 of land barriers and ethnicity and social economic backgrounds. Everything that we classify ourselves with, it's beyond denominational bent and slant. It's beyond that. It is the people of God. And we get to be a part of it. My wife described people in other countries this morning not being able to meet as freely as we get to meet, right? And that ought, to, that ought to ravage our hearts. You know why? Because they're our brothers and sisters. They may not reside in Ross County. They may not be able to meet and gather in Green Township. But man, they are brothers and sisters nonetheless. I want to talk to you that there are several fundamental things that make the church the church. And, and that's how we fulfill the mission of God. We started out last week talking about the six G's of mission. Now we're going to shuffle the deck a little bit, use the same six G's, and explain what the church's role in all of this is, okay? God, here's the thing, God wants to take this ragtag band of people who shouldn't be able to work together and enable us to work together. Why? To change the world. And so the mission of the church is this, God's glory in every nation, in all nations, every place, everywhere. God wants to use us to do that. And so I'm going to say this several times today, and I want you to grab a hold of it. A gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to empowered going and God getting glory. Our G's are this, God, gospel, glory, grace, gathering, and going. Okay? And so we've shoveled the deck a little bit. A, 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 Christ, a gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to empowered going and God getting glory. Would you think about that? A gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to empowered going and God getting glory. And that's what we are made for, for God to receive glory. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. We started here last week, and we're going to kind of tear apart the middle piece of Scripture here. The mission of the church is God's glory in all nation centered on his gospel and his grace listen to, to verse the last half of verse 6 of Ephesians 1 to the praise of his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace there we have grace mentioned twice and sandwiched in between like an oreo cookie is the gospel He's blessed us in the beloved. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Man, that's better than double stuff, man. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan for the fullness of time. Now we're back into time. God's outside of time, but suddenly we're in time. You got that? In the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He is in control according to this passage of scripture, much like Phil and my wife described to you earlier. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And so we can't get around it. His plan for us is for us to be unto the praise of his glory. We are to glorify him in all time in all places, in all spaces. 
Everything about our life should point other people to him. How we conduct our family, marriage folks. How we conduct our parenting, parenting folks. How we conduct our working, working folks. How we conduct our living, neighbor folks. How we conduct our, our, our coming and goings should all reflect on the glory of God. There's not one piece of our life that should be untouched by the gospel and his grace. And he uses words like this, much like, much like Phil used. There's so many he's in this piece of scripture, or his. Now, Phil didn't know he was going to do this, and so I, I think that's the, the congruence of the Spirit of God. Listen to these, how many he and us he used in this passage of scripture, right? To the praise of his glorious grace, God is the center focus of all that we are, all that we do. He blessed us. Not us as individuals, us as a collective group of people. We are so individualistic, we forget we're supposed to be a part of something bigger than us. We want our independence, but yet God's called us to walk in a community. He's called us to walk under subservience to himself and his word and his plan, and yet we keep trying to find a way not to do that, right? And so he blessed us. In him, we, in him, we have redemption and forgiveness of our sins, his grace, he lavished upon us, not because he has to, but because he gets to, because he wants to, right? Making unknown to us the mystery of his will, man. We're sitting here this morning, why? Because he's illuminating to, illuminating to us how great he is and what he wants to accomplish. The reason you're sitting here at all is because there's this wooing power of God upon your heart, upon your life. You can't come to him even unless he draws you to himself is what Jesus told us in the book of John. And so you're sitting here right now. Maybe somebody invited you to church. Maybe your wife made you got a bed this morning. I don't know. But if you think you had sole uh, ownership of that, you don't. And he's working right now. To unite, listen to this, to make known to us the mystery of his will. Right now, part of our gathering is making known the mystery of his will. And his mystery is this, to unite all things, all things on this planet, all things in the spiritual realm under his lordship. Are you getting that? He wants his glory in all places, in all spaces. And the vehicle with which he's choos- chosen to do that is me and you. Is that crazy? Do you think you're up to that task? Anybody in here think you're up to that task? You're not. That's why he uses his body to get it done. Is that cool? Huh? Anyway, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let's, let's keep looking. In him we obtained an inheritance. In him we obtained an inheritance according to the purpose of him who called us according to his will. That's awesome. Some of the best pieces of bread in the Bible right there, man. He is the agent with which transformation is occurring on the planet, and he's using us as conduit to bring about that transformation. Is that cool or what? Man, I'm not sure you're feeling it, man. I'm feeling like right down deep inside my chest, man. I, I, I think Ephesians 1, we talked about this last week, God decided in advance, right, to adopt us into his family. His family's called the church. The church is not a building. Get this straight now. The the church did not become a building until the Middle Ages. The church was always a gathering. It wasn't a location. It wasn't a website. It was a group of people called out from the rest of the world in an order that God might show his glory to the world around them. And so we've we've lost sight of that. We think it's a location. We think church is 4496 State Route 180, 4564 Kinks in Ohio. It is not. The church is 
the people sitting next to you, the family of God. And if you keep thinking in terms of the facility, a building that has lights and stuff to turn on, you're going to miss the point completely because you're going to come to church. You're not going to be the church. You're going to go to church. You're not going to go be the light in a dark place. And so we are called to gather so that we might go. We're not, we're not, we didn't gather to stay. We didn't gather to come. We gather right now to go. Are you getting, are you walking? Are you, are you, I'm not sure I'm making it clean as I want to. A gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to enabled, empowered going and God getting glory. That is why we're here. There's this emblem. Did you guys throw that up there, Toby? Throw that picture up. That, that right there. For church chief, this is how we describe what the church's function is, okay? There's, we say, now look at them, circles. Circles are better than rows, Okay? And we, it's a continuous process. You see the arrows there? It just keeps going and going and going. And if the church is doing her job, this, these four things keep happening over and over and over again. We believe in the worship circle. We believe in the community circle. We believe in the service circle. We believe in the multiplication circle. I'm going to explain to you in detail what those things And any church that's functioning as the church will have those four things happening all the time. Have those four things going on. Now, there are churches who are just merely social gatherings. They're not going to get the job done. Be nice to be a member of that and, you know, maybe get, you know, I don't know, wine with your communion or something and, and all that sort of thing. But, but, but the church is being the church will have these four things going on. And if we try and extricate any of them, we're missing the point. Okay? So we're going to dig in a little bit deeper to each one. All right? So let's first take the worship circle. All right? Now, worship... As, as, as a piece of, of what we do, a gospel-centered worship gathering is a component of a dynamic spiritual life drawing us by grace to God, enabling us to go about for His glory. Let me say it one more time. A gospel-centered worship gathering is a component of a dynamic spiritual life drawing us by grace to God, enabling us to go about for His glory. Remember, Ephesians 1.6 says, we were to the praise of His glorious grace, right? Hmm? We were to the praise of His glorious grace. So let me think about, think about this. This blue circle here represents the spiritual life of the church and its individuals. Okay? Within that circle uh, happen se- several things. The spiritual life of a church is comprised of the spiritual life and habits of its people and the corporate worship and preaching and teaching of the gospel. Okay, So it's the, this worship segment, because we believe worship isn't just a piece of the service where we do music and clap hands and stand up and raise our hands and stuff like that. Worship's a lifestyle, with the exclamation point, right? Worship is a lifestyle, So the spiritual life of a church encapsulates the life of worship. This is our big circle, right? All of us being together. But it should compel us into deeper sessions of worship and prayer as we walk out our lives. Are you tracking with me so far? Contained within that, the propagation by which we we are compelled to pray and to worship and carry our life is the vehicle of corporate worship, what we just did with songs and music, and solid biblical preaching and teaching. Are you tracking with me? Now, some churches will, will forego the corporate gathering and just want to get into small group situations. Some people will want to, uh, some, some want to forego the, the, the community pieces. The next one, 
will want to forego the spiritual community dynamic and just be there on Sunday morning. That's not being the church. But the Bible says cleanly in Acts chapter 2 that they met in the temple and they met from house to house. That's how the church started. And to my knowledge, Jesus hasn't issued any edicts that changes that. So if, if you don't, so, so we, we got to keep these things in, in, in uh, alignment. Um, a gospel-centered worship gathering is a component of a, of a dynamic spiritual life. You can't get away from this. Many times, the, the, the people of God in the Old Testament were drawn together to festivals on purpose to encourage them that they were not by themselves. They were gathered out in their tribes. There, there were festivals they were supposed to keep every year. There were times they were supposed to come to the temple and gather together. And that has not changed. We are still the people of God. God wants us to gather as corporately as possible. But he also wants us to be in community. Now, all of you will agree you can't, you can't get everything you need out of this gathering. You think you can, you're, you're missing the point, all right? It also involves, the spiritual life component also involves this transformed life that lives in gratitude of that inheritance that has been given. What happens is I recognize all God's given me and I want my life to be lived out differently. And I'm encouraged in that because of testimonies of like a Steve and Angie Gilliland who've seen their family almost collapse. And I'm beside them. I get to hear their voice and their words about how they came back together. I get to hear music that's, that, can I say something to you? Gospel and grace centered. Every, and I mean this with everything we do in this context, better have a gospel presentation attached to it, better have a grace component attached to it, or we're missing it because the Bible says Jesus came to deliver grace and truth, right? And so every song we sing, every message you hear, every, every activity we take upon ourselves to, to, to do as the people of church triumphant ought to have a gospel and grace component attached to it. It should be centered. That should be the center of all that we do. If we miss it, see, these things are on the wall on purpose. See, because we believe in this idea called the, me- the message of the gospel. Sometimes we'll change how we do it, but the message does not change. We believe that worship is a lifestyle, but we also believe that you got to pray, and that's a dynamic part of, of, of a spiritual life. Okay? These things aren't here just because they look good and they're nice portraits and it just looks really trendy and, you know, kind of like, oh, that's a really cool church, you know. These are here to get a message across to you, to remind you what it means to be a follower of Christ and to remind you of what church triumphant holds dear. Pray always. There should be a spiritual dynamic of your life where you're, where you're a praying person, where you and God are having interaction and talking. There should be that, that dynamic going, a life of prayer and worship, but also of teaching and preaching. Ephesians 1.9 says God's making known to us the mystery of his will. How is he doing? He's doing that right now. He's making known to us things that have been yet to be, un, un, to be disclosed to us. His spirit is speaking right now in this corporate gathering, right? So the, the spiritual life going is absolutely uh, an individual thing where you're being encouraged to worship and pray and to seek the face of God, but it's also this corporate gathering thing where we worship together, we enjoy the blessing of God together, the inheritance of the saints, and we come together to hear the voice of God through the preaching of the word, the teaching of, of, of God's plan. Are you with me? Which leads us to the next thing. Remember, a gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to empowered going and God getting glory, Right? Which leads me to the next piece of the puzzle, the community facet, the other circle, the red circle. 
Spiritual community is centered on and glorifies God, His gospel, and grace, and causes us to grow as we gather together and live out relationship with one another as we go. You got that? Not for us to stay, us to go. We, there should be a, a, a spiritual community facet of what's going on in your life as you're a part of Church Triumphant. It shouldn't just be a Sunday morning gig. And if it is, you're missing the point. We, we are a part of a spiritual community centered on God, His gospel, and grace. And we go and grow and live through relationship with one another. We can't get away from that. All over the New Testament, I encourage you to do, do, a, do a study and look up every place where you find this, one another. Because where that's found, that's talking about spiritual community, the family of God, how we interact with one another. And you can only do that in relationship. You can't do that in, in corporate assembly too well. Because you know you want to hear you, you, you want to hear where our culture has gone? Our church culture. The average regular attender to church, people who are plugged in, believe in God, trust Jesus as their Savior. Go to church an average of 1.8 times a month right now in America, which poses a problem, okay? It poses a problem because there's this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 10, 25, that says we should be gathering together all the more as we see the day of Jesus approaching, but instead of that, we see it approaching, and we're gathering less because we're too busy. All the more reason you need a spiritual community around you. And I appreciate the busyness, and I know things are going on, but at some point in time, you've got to say this far and no farther. Somebody, hang on, where i got to find, hang on, I know, hang on. Hang. Anybody like Lord of the Rings? Huh? Somebody's got to be Gandalf, stand on the bridge and go, you shall not pass. No further. No, no, no further. I, I, you're not going to run my life anymore, culture. You are not going to run my life, Satan. I, I, if God commands that we meet more and more together as the, as the day of Jesus approaches, I'm cutting it off right here. You're not going to sink me down into depression. You're going to sink me down into deceit. You're going to sink me down into covetousness. You're going to sink me down into busyness. I, I am going to be the person God wants me to be, and I'm not taking no for an answer. It might kill me, Gandalf, but I'm coming. I'm holding on to the, to the staff, and I'm going to stay right there. Now, I know that seems like harsh words, but this is what makes us the church, right? Spiritual community. You cannot survive without people around you. God made you communal on purpose. Do you know what Genesis 1 says? These words, it's, it's not good for man to be alone or to walk around with his holes in the floor. It's not good for man to be alone. Listen, every bit of conversation, every bit of interaction, every bit of relational activity, activity about what we're doing should build us up in the Lord. We're not going to get that out there. You guys know that. Not going to, and, 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 and part of us growing together means we're making space for one another. Ephesians 4 reads like this. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So we got that covered. That's that universal body of Christ that, that extends beyond location, extends beyond church membership, extends beyond that. This will continue, and, he, and the, the interlude of that in verse 13, between verses 6 and 13, he's talking about God giving gifts to his church in the forms of people, 
So this will continue. This will continue part is each using their gifts for mutual benefit of the other people around them, right? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Do you, do you want to know why you need uh, a spiritual community? Because of this right here. Spiritual growth is not optional. Not something, you, you, you can't be a follower of Christ and stop growing. And here's the funny part about it. Most of you will admit this. You hate lectures. And most of you would sit here and go, you know, I didn't, you know, I had to, I'm kind of like a hands-on person. I kind of need to be out and use my hands. And yet you think your spiritual life can grow just because you're sitting here listening to a guy lecture every Sunday morning. Uh-oh, just hit a nerve, didn't I? Got really quiet. You, you need to grow. And the way you grow the best is out of interaction with, with the people of God. Not just listening to some some. Spitting, sweating guy lecture. Colossians 2.19 reads like this. For he holds the whole body together. And listen to the words Paul uses. It's joints and ligaments. That means there's got to be connection. Actual connection. Not just a wave as you come in going on Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing? The t- I got the t-shirt. I got the church triumphant t-shirt. I'm good. Have a great day. See you all around. Actual connection. Actual interlocking of life, actual connection to one another. Can't get away without that, right? Every church that's a part of the body of Christ has to have a spiritual community component or it's not the church. Are you hearing me? 1 Corinthians 12, and he also says, it grows as God nourishes it, right? 1 Corinthians 12, the human body has many parts, but the parts make up one whole body. So it's the body of Christ. Now here's the body of Christ. We are, a, we are an organ in the body of Christ. We're not the whole body of Christ sitting right here. But each organ has its specified parts too, right? And so we're part of this organization. For lack of a better word, we should be a little more organic than just being organized. But um, we, we are a part of that. And so listen, each part has to do its job. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. See, it branches out beyond just the normal everyday life of stuff that would normally keep us separated and segregated. Now, there are some parts of the church that aren't the church. They assemble in a place that has a cross on it. If they're not centered on the gospel and grace, that's not the church. Are you hearing me? The dude standing behind the pulpit might even have a collar on. But if there's not the gospel and, the, and grace being offered in the middle of that, here's what's funny to me. I, I was looking this last week. We can go clear over to one side and become so liberal that you, you just do whatever you want and it's, it's good, all right. But we also have the tendency to walk over here into legalism, Right? Am I right? We have to be really careful, man. Because liberalism and legalism will both kill the church. Because it's grace and truth. It's not one or the other. It's both and. We've got to be really careful. This gospel doesn't change. At the same time, grace is offered to all. And sometimes we're really bad about one or the other of them. There's probably some of us in here who are like, yeah, Aaron, you know, I wish you'd be more forgiving. And some of you are like, I wish you'd just speak the truth more often. And, and, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this my best, the best way I know how. You know what I mean? There's some things that Jesus was caught hanging out more with the people who were messed up than the people who had all their junk together. And in fact, he pointed his fingers at the ones with their junk together and go, you're a Brutus Vipers. Get out of my face. 
you're whited sepulchers full of dead man's bones. What are you talking about? And then he'd be out hanging with people that those people would never get, in the, you know, even want to get on the same camel with. You know? And so we got to find, you know, there's this fine line somewhere. I got a friend of mine who's, who's about to make a transition in ministry, and he comes from a really uh, devout, um, and he would say this. In fact, he told me this on the phone the other day. He might show his head here, and I won't say his name um, just for that reason. Um, but we were talking, and, and he, God's doing some transition in his life. And I said, I said, well, you can come and hang with us anytime you want to. I'm, I'm kind of like a recovering charismatic or something like that. He laughed on the phone. He goes, that's okay, Aaron. I'm a recovering legalist. And I went, really cool, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and you know, so, so there's going to be this place where the gospel is such the center of what we do that we, we walk that out to the, to the point that that gospel, that grace is all that matters. Accomplishing the goal, being the community of faith, and I know I'm tearing up time. Listen to this. This makes for harmony. We have all been baptized into one body, one spirit, and we all share that same spirit. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members, listen to this next word, care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. You can't have that unless there's connection, unless there's spiritual community. We accomplish that in small groups at Church T and by team ministries. Our hope is our team ministries aren't just a spot on the schedule where you show up and do your time. Our hope is that you start interacting with people to get something done, but then relationships start to build. That way you can be encouraged. You can get prayer cover. You can pray for somebody else. You can give encouragement. Our hope is that a small group gathering in a house will become a, a refuge for people during a week that's hard, that's difficult, that's ugly, that's messed up, and you get to share life with one another, eat meals together. One... I want to be a part. I'm going to, I'm going to swap groups. You know why? Everybody's like, dude, don't do that. I heard one group went out this week and ate together at our kitchen. Was it our kitchen or Green Tree? One of those places, one of those swanky places downtown. I was like, man, you know what I did? I moved stuff for a week with my group. How'd they get the food and I got to move? I don't know how that happened. But both of those are being a part of the body of Christ, caring for one another. And honestly, I wouldn't trade my group for nothing. God's forced me on a couple of occasions to change my groups. And every time he's forced me to, God it knits me into another group of people that I love and that I care about. And I want to see, be what God wants them to be. And it's really cool. I, I, I dig helping God's people. I dig caring for one another. I love the fact that, it, that it's not just about ceremonial worship. It's about life-on-life -life interaction. And if we we got to stay on top of that. A gospel and grace together will lead to empowered going and God getting glory. Which leads me to the next circle. No circles are better than rows. Is the service circle. See, we're not to be consumers. We're to be active participants. Okay. You can't you should not be here and be a bump on a pew. No, no, no. There's got to be an element that suddenly what God's poured into your life has an outflow mechanism attached to it. Service is this gospel-centered ministry that's grace-based service meant to benefit others and glorify God in our gathering and our going. Okay, this idea of service, 
Okay? It's got to be grace-based, but meant to benefit others and glorify God. It's gospel-centered. For too long, the church has tried to do one or the other. They're the churches that just preach about it. And if people show up, great. If they don't, get out of my face. And there's other people like, you know, let's just be really nice and let's just help people and feed them. And maybe they'll just, one of these days, they'll come to Jesus. No. We got to take both of them. We got to take the message of the gospel. We got to serve people because Jesus says we should love God and love others like we love ourselves. You know what that means? Whatever I do for me, I should be willing to do for somebody else. If that means I'm hungry, I need to eat, I would feed me, I should feed them. If I'm cold and need clothes, I should clothe them like I would clothe me. Are you hearing me? And, and there's this idea of service. Jesus said, I didn't come to, serve, to, to be served, but to serve. And he, he kneels down and washes the feet of these guys who don't deserve anything he's given to them. And God expects his body to do the same kind of service. But that service has to be attached to this message that doesn't change. Because we believe every believer can minister. See that sign way back there on the back wall? Every believer can minister. But here's my, here's my heart. I, I think it should be every believer should And my eventual plan is this. Every believer at Church Triumphant does minister in some capacity. You know why? Because love can't just be talked about. Love has got to be expressed. We can't just talk about how much God loves us. we got to go out and actually love people like he loved us. His final commandment is love others the way I have loved you. And I can't, I can't do that if I'm so busy, so caught up, so ate up with what else is going on in my life that I, that I don't serve people. And the best way we serve people is in a community. That's why it comes after that. Jesus says these words in John 13. By the love you express one to the other, people will know you are my disciples. So you've got to go from worship to community, but the natural outflow of that has to be service. One to the other and to the outside world because we're not called just to gather, we're called to go. He looks at his disciples one day with these people gathered on the hill, and he says, won't y'all go feed them? And they're like, uh, uh, who was in charge of the budget for the food? Of course, everybody looked at, look, everybody looked at Judas and like, yeah, we know you've been scalping off the top, so where's that? Where's that? He's sure, and they don't have anything. And God's like, no, I want you to be engaged in this process of serving people. What do you have? They probably pushed Peter out to the front like they always did. Uh, we got five loaves and two fish. We got, we, we got like five crackers and two sardines, Jesus. He's like, oh, okay, that'll work. We can do that. You see, it's not about our service. It's about God getting glory. He can take little of what we have and make much out of it. To you, making a, a knock on the door to smile at a neighbor may not be that big of a deal, but it might be an eternal significant thing that God's blessing. It may, it, may only, it may not be a big deal to you to help a lady who dropped her groceries in the middle of the parking lot at Kroger, but suddenly the heart of compassion Jesus is placing you moves, and you think it's not that big of a deal, but suddenly that lady is praying, God, I just want to know you're paying attention to me. And you were the extension of those hands and those feet into her life. Maybe, God, we, we don't do enough with our, as our group as we should, but, man, uh, we're making uh, foster care stuff happen for, for kids we don't even know, and it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but in the scope of eternity, it's huge. And what I mean to say to you is this. We've got to be in the issue of service. We can't be in the issue of consumption. We are to be those who give away, not those who take. If we, all we do is take, we become the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because it has an inlet and no outlet. 
Matthew, Matthew 5 says this, you're the salt of the earth. Verse 14 says, you are the light of the world like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Let your good deeds. You know what? Somebody's got to step into the life of that addict. Somebody's got to. And it won't be fun, and it will be really messy, and it will be time-consuming, and it will be ugly. But somebody's got to. Because you know why? Jesus, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus wants his glory in, her, in their life. It's for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's grace and the gospel attached together. Bam. A gospel and grace-centered gathering will lead to empowered going and God getting glory. That's the way it works. Right now, you should be challenged, like thinking about people in your life you could serve. You should be serving one another in your small groups, but you should be, your small group together should be serving somebody else. You get what I'm saying? You, you should be finding some kind of outlet of God pouring in his inheritance into your life, and then you going, I'm giving the inheritance away. That's what it's all about, to the praise of his glorious grace, right? That's why we exist. That's why there is a church at all, that God's glorious grace would be praised. Not that we'd have great buildings and awesome lighting shows and, and, and incredible websites and apps and, and you know, nice smooth parking lots to drive on and, and platted pew. No, the reason we exist is so that the glory of God would be known to all people in all places. That's why that there is a church at all. Which leads me to the last circle, the multiplication circle. Listen to this. Gospel of God outreach gives the grace of God opportunity to work. Glorifying God as we move from gathering to going. We have to move from gathering to going. We've got to move from just hanging out inside the wall, singing a couple songs, having our... Can I say something to you? We believe that teaching is for transformation. That's why the gospel is intricate in this, right? That's why small groups are intricate in this. Here's the thing. If all, if all I do is come get a motivational speech, I should go read a Tony Robbins book. He'll inspire you. Go get something done, sweet. But it probably isn't the gospel. And the gospel should motivate us not just to be inspired to, to roll up goals and set up things. Our, our challenge by the gospel is this, to change the world. Another change the world as a whole, as much as to change the world one life at a time. That our lives matter. That's why that thing's over there. You matter. You matter to the gospel, but you matter in the life of someone else, and someone else matters to God. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, these words, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If he is not willing, we as his body should not be willing either, and that we should, that, that should force us to go serve somewhere so we have an opportunity to see people come to faith in Christ. And here's the thing. We are called to be multipliers. The very first commandment God gives the human race is this, is to be fruitful and multiply. And God describes that commandment in the context of a world without sin. Therefore, here's the connection. If, if there is no sin, then the mere fact that, that we are reproducing biologically means there's spiritual fruit attached to that because we're all still together. 
something changed. It's called the eating of the fruit in the, in, the, in the garden. Suddenly, just having mere biological fruit isn't what God's looking for. He's looking for spiritual fruit. And if you're sitting here right now as a follower of Christ, one of the things to be in the heart of who you are is you want to be a spiritual mom or a spiritual dad. You want to be a spiritual grandparent. You, you want to see people who were once out there someplace suddenly in here. And it doesn't matter if you share biology with them or not. You want to see their lives change for the glory of God. You want to see them benefited by the gospel and the grace God showed you. And you want more than that. And, this, and if there's not multiplication, we can have the worship section, we can have the community section. We can even do great service. But if there's not multiplication, if, we, if you and I cannot see spiritual fruit attached to our lives by that not, that us leaving the 99 and finding the one that we just sung about, then there's something wrong. If you have walked with Jesus for more than a few months and you can't purposely look into the life of someone else and say, I've inputted into that. I have sowed the seed of the gospel into that. Whether they've come in or not, there's something wrong. See, we live in fear that somebody's going to, we're not going to have the right answers. Listen, the, fear, the, the, the issue of fear is not having the right answers. The, 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 the issue of evangelism, the, 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 the issue of outreach is compassion, not answers. Not solutions. The issue with reading other people is this. For God so loved the world that he gave. And if you can't find spiritual fruit attached to your life and you've walked with Jesus for a long time, something is wrong. You may have a religious experience. You may even ceremonial worship. But if there is not fruit unto the glory of God in the life of someone else, something is missing. And I hate to be that bold, but that, that is just the truth. God intends. He said, go and make disciples. Our one commission is that there be fruit. The thing he leaves us with is this. Go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel to all people, all nations, all creatures. And we cannot sit in here and be disciples and followers and think that they're just going to pop up someplace. Like a fungus. Under the right conditions, it's just going to happen. No, it's because interaction happens. See, we're called the bride of Christ. Jesus is called the bridegroom. When a bride and groom come together, without getting gross or like somebody, like my kids sitting next to me, I don't want to have that conversation yet. When they come together, when they come together, there's fruit. And if there's not fruit, there's something unhealthy. Do you understand that? Something is not functioning as it should. Does that make it clear? I don't want to go into a biology lesson, but I think, it, I think you understand. So here's the idea. The multiplication cycle is this. There will be more Christ followers with the gospel. There will be, be, be more small groups or spiritual families in the gospel. There will be more churches and mission opportunities for the gospel, reaching more vicinities, creating more opportunities for people to know God. And then that circle, that first graphic just keeps spinning because once there's more life, there's more people engaged in worship who get involved in, 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 in community, who become people of service, who multiply more people, who get involved in worship, who get involved in spiritual community, who get involved in service, who, get, who multiply more people. who get, You getting me? This is how the church has existed for 2,000 years, this cycle right here. This cycle right here. I want, I, want to read, I want to read to you something. Isaiah 29, 22, and 24, like this. That is why the Lord who redeemed Abraham, there's the gospel, right? Redemption. 
says to the people of Israel, we're grafted into them by, by virtue of the blood of Jesus. My people will no longer be, sh- be ashamed or turn pale with fear. That's most of us what we do when we think about evangelism and outreach. We are ashamed and we turn pale with fear. But listen to the next line. For when they see, now listen to this next line, this is awesome. For when they see their many children, you want to stop being fearful about the gospel and ashamed of it? Let one life change because of your intervention in their life. Just one. Promise, it's like, it is like a drug. You do it one time, somebody comes to faith, you get a chance to lead them to the Lord and walk with them through. It's like, oh, I want to do that again. Oh, I'll do anything to have that again. I, 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 what, did you? That, wow. Listen to what it says. When they see their many children and all the blessings I have given them, they will recognize the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob. God gets glorified. That's what it's saying, right? They will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Now listen to the next line. Then the wayward will gain understanding. When? When, when other people start being birthed in the kingdom. When God's kids start having kids. The wayward will, will, will find instruction and the complainers will accept instruction. Is that cool? You know why it's not happening sometimes? Because we're not doing it. We are letting shame and fear keep us from, wanting, from, from, from the thing God wants us to have more anything, and that's children, spiritual children. Everybody in your life is a candidate for the gospel and the kingdom of God. Every single person, every single worker, every single neighbor, every single child, every single grandchild, every single one, as bad and as ugly and as messed up as they can be, the glory of the gospel is not that that we are so good as that God is. And if he saved you, he can save them, and he wants you to be a part of the process of them coming to know him. Yeah! I don't care if you like it or not. I do. The... I don't know what to say. Ephesians 3 says this, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety. That means it's different components, different places, different kinds of doctrinal slants, different kinds of ethnicity, different kinds of service, different kinds, and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able. Listen, everybody, look at your neighbor and say, Who is able? Just tell them. Who is able, through his mighty power, now look at this, at work within us. Is this crazy? His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I want to pull a Ric Flair. Woo! You know what I mean? Think about that for just a second. His mighty power at work within us. In you, Samuel, in you, Lisa, in you, Brandy, and your buddy from the military, in you, Jay, and Andrew, I presume. We're going to eat lunch in a minute. And Mike and Jen, Mike, Jim, Daryl, Jaretta, in you, within us, together, as the community of faith, God is able to do what we can't do. Isn't that awesome? How many of you want to see your neighborhood flipped upside down for Jesus? Anybody want to see that? How many of y'all got grandkids who are messed up and tore up and need to get saved? Anybody like that? How about some kids? How many got some kids who are prodigal kids, right? How about this? How about you start serving Jesus by serving others? And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 29, when you start having spiritual kids, the wayward will come home and receive understanding. 
How about the person who's complaining about life? Suddenly they'll be willing to receive instruction. Is that cool? That's a promise from the scripture. That's a prophetic word from God, man. And he invites us to be alone. And I am, I, I just can't slow down, okay? And I want to be better on time management. I just don't have it in me, okay? And, and, uh, Gospel and grace must center us in this gathering. And here's how it happens to you. i got to ask you a question. Are you locked into the gospel? Are you personally hooked up with Jesus? Are you? Maybe you were at one time. Maybe the fire's gone out. Maybe, maybe love, the love, your first love has fizzled, just like Revelation 2 talks about. And you're just trying to get things back on track. That's okay, because the Bible tells us this. God's married to the backslider. He's, he's like, well, as soon as you turn around, you confess your sin. We're back on track. Let's keep rolling. I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Let's roll. And if, you're, if, you're, if you've never come to faith in Christ, listen to me. The only thing that's stopping you is belief in your heart and confessing with your mouth. That's it. And God will walk up to you and go, here's my table. Would you please sit down and join me for dinner? Is that cool or what? Huh? And we're talking better than the green tree or our kitchen, wherever you guys ate the other night. Better than that. He'll cause you to drink of something you won't thirst ever again. He just says, listen, believe that I am who I say I am. It's that simple. Or come back to the idea that I am who I say I am because I know life's thrown things at you, right? Life's thrown things at you, and you start doubting whether I really am, and, and you've had frustrating, and, and you've, got, you've had certain things happen, and people have harmed you, and doctors haven't been uh, giving you the best news, and, and, and maybe your marriage is tight, and may, maybe finances are messed up, and, and I, there's all this thing, thing maybe, maybe this Jesus guy, he's not, and he's saying, yes, I am, just, just come back, come, come, come back, I'm faithful, I'm true, I, I'm in control, Phil, be still for a minute, let's, let's get back to... Let's get back to how it was at the beginning. Let's, let's start working on that. And then he, he invites us to be a part of the community, right, and grow together. He, this, these words should compel us to gather. Because I don't know if you're like me. I have really long weeks. And I need something to plug into that reminds me what I'm all about, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Anybody like that? That's what this is. This isn't the point. This is the pep rally to get us to the point. Too often times, this is the point for a lot of Christians. This isn't the point. This is the point to energize the battery, to go out and do the thing we're supposed to be doing in the first place, right? And so, so I need this. Some of you determine today, I'm not going to be that 1.8 statistic. I'm not going to be that. 1.8 ain't going to cut it for me this month. I need, to be a part. I, be, I need to be compelled to gather. I, I need to be among the people. I need to, to be involved in circles and rows. This gospel should compel us to serve others. I mean, can I ask you a question? Are you putting yourself in a place to serve other people? Are you putting yourself in a place to serve Jesus by serving others? Because that's really the point, right? It's not just serving people. It's Jesus says in Matthew 25, when you did it to the least, you did it to me, right? Let me ask you another question. Here, here's, here's a tougher question for, for a lot of us. Are you allowing yourself to be put into a place where others can serve Jesus by serving you? And that's where this spiritual community thing comes into play. Some of us are really good givers, but we're not really good receivers. And we're disabling certain facets of the body of Christ because we won't let them speak into our lives.
We won't let them serve us. We, 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 we want to do it all ourselves. We want to handle life. Yeah, we, are you putting yourself in a spot in a spiritual community where you can grow and, and you can help others grow and they can help you grow? And all the gifts matter that God's got given to his people. This gospel and grace should give us chances, create chances for us to, to go and to grow up. See, out of, out of all, all these things, God's glorified in, in the whole earth. And, and so this is not just church triumphant's gig. This is God's gig all around the planet right now. He would find those who worship in spirit and truth. He would find those who, who would lock arms and be a part of the body of Christ. He would find those who would love God and love people and, and serve them. And then he would find those who are willing to go make disciples so that the kingdom keeps going and then it comes back around to worship. That's what he wants. For some of you right now, that means you've got to commit yourself to that not being that 1.8 statistic. For others of you, that means becoming a part of a small group on purpose. Now, can I say this? We're not the only place to find a small group. In fact, I would say this. We don't, I don't have, we don't have enough opportunities right now for you to lock into a small group and keep them small. So i got two options for you. Find one someplace, number one. Number two, the center around the gospel and Jesus, not just somebody who goes, I don't know, bowling together or something. There's a place for that, and groups should do things like that. But if that's all you do, you're going to miss the point, right? And so around the gospel, right? But some of you could create space for somebody else to be involved in the thing of the gospel and be in a community. And what I need more than anything else right now is people who would say, I'll open my home one day a week, two or three times a month, and I'll let some people come and gather, and I'll, I'll help facilitate spiritual community so other people keep, keep growing. That's, what I, that's kind of what I need, really. That's what Church T needs, if you want to know. Some of you need to put yourself in a spot where you can serve people. If you don't, you're missing the point of the gospel. And when you start serving people, you've got to put yourself in a spot to, make, to help them become a disciple, which means engagement, like, like parenthood. Because that's really where growth happens, right? Nurturing goes on, right? Okay. I've worn you out. Right now, some of you need to just pop in your mind about one or two names. One or two people you know aren't walking with Jesus. One or two people in your life who are in great need. They're, they need relational interaction. They need to get off drugs. They need whatever. They need help in their marriage. They need help in their finances. They, and you, you believe right now in this moment God strategically placed you in their life. And you want to see them in a spot, in a circle of worship. And you want to see them in a spot, community. And you want to see them serving, using what God's given them. And you want to see them be a part of the process of bringing new people to life. And you want to be a part of their life, bringing them to life. And so just think about them right now. Because that's the point of the church, that God gets glory and lives change. That's it. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.